Assalamu alaikum, may the peace and blessings of God be upon you, and welcome to another edition of the Pathway to Peace show here on The Voice of Islam Radio, a show where we take an analytical look at how we can achieve peace, whether that be political peace, economic peace, societal peace, or inner peace. I invite you to get involved in the conversation here on the Pathway to Peace show. You can do this by posting on the X platform at Voice of Islam UK using the hashtag VOI Peace. That's VOI for Voice of Islam, followed by the word peace. Hashtag VOI Peace to let us know your thoughts, comments, and feedback. Welcome to today's show where we are planning to dive into some of the historic keynote speeches by His Holiness. Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmed, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, particularly at a auspicious event which takes place every year, the annual UK Peace Symposium. And we're going to go all the way back to the very first peace symposium. And as the first one is often a good place to start, in 2004, when uh, the first ever peace symposium here in the UK took place. We will look through some of the common themes and start starting from 2004 and moving to more recent addresses and listen to some clips from various speeches at this peace symposium each and every year. Uh, and we hope that by reflecting together over the next hour or so, that maybe we can glean some overlooked wisdom that might just help us today as now even some mainstream sources are saying that the world is on the brink of another world war. As we explore this poignant topic, I'm joined as always by my esteemed co-host and peaceful pal, Mr. Arif Khan. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you. Before we get into it, Arif, I just want to ask you, you've been, you know, you've been uh, here in the UK since before I can remember, you were probably around uh, locally in 2004. Um, what is your earliest and fondest memory of the UK Peace Symposium? Alaikum salam, peace be upon you and, and, to, and also to our listeners. Yeah, I think the, the context to understand bef- when you look at the, uh, the history of that year is what happened the year before. Mm. So literally for the Ahmadiyya community, whenever one of the caliphs or leaders passes away, a new leader is elected. And that took place in the year of 2003. And literally the opening of this mosque that we're literally sat next to right now, the Battle for Tu Mosque, actually was inaugurated in October uh, 2003 as well so everything was very new in terms of we had a newly appointed leader who had been you know there for less than a year and also the mosque itself I remember the there was a lot of activity around the initial inauguration of the mosque in terms of like you know the, the world's media flooded here in October 03 then what happened was everyone dissipated and it just became our local mosque it became a place of worship and then the peace symposium felt like the first time again that there was a large gathering there and that you know um you know the the people were being invited from all different walks of life again it felt similar to that inauguration of uh you know october 2003 but i guess at the time you know the scale what we have to understand is that you know it's taken a while for us to build that event up to what we have now so in terms of the guests and you know the uh the profile of that event let's say it wasn't what it was it is today really which i'm sure we're going to look at so definite an excitement there were guests that were invited from uh you know, locally uh, and beyond uh, and it was a, a time to come together and talk about 
peace, which even at that time felt like it was a really crucial topic, um, but maybe didn't feel as poignant and as relevant as it feels right now today. You know, it's very interesting. You mentioned how the event has grown, but one thing that stays is almost a staple is the message that His Holiness has been giving throughout. And what we'll see here over the course of the next hour or so is that throughout for the last 18 years that this peace symposium has been taking place with this 2024 peace symposium that is up and coming being the 18th annual peace symposium, that the message of His Holiness has been pretty consistent. I mean, there's a different tone depending on the world situation, and and we'll dig more into that. Uh, But although the event has grown and changed in scope, the message of His Holiness has remained one and the same. And I'm pretty sure that our listeners will come to that same conclusion after uh, listening to the discussion tonight. And of course, as always, do get involved in the conversation on social media. Let us know your earliest memory of the Peace Symposium using the hashtag VOIPeace. So the best place to start is probably at the beginning. Now, it's been a long time since that very first Peace Symposium, and this will very um, adequately demonstrate kind of the message of, you know, that the message of His Holiness has been the same uh, through and through. So keep in context, as you mentioned, Arif, that just a year before His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, may God strengthen his hand, uh, was elected the caliph of a global community, and he was the one to initiate this peace symposium. And let's listen to what he had to say in 2004 at the UK annual peace symposium. Since you have already listened enough on the topic, I therefore will not take much of your time, despite the fact that personally I feel and believe that keeping in view the prevailing condition of the world peace discussion on this subject is never enough. In my view, we who have gathered here from different schools of thought and religious denominations should continue our efforts in bringing back the world peace and never stop struggling unless we establish peace in the world. Or at least we raise our voice in bringing peace in the world at every forum or wherever we get chance to do so. My concept for that matter of peace in view of the Islamic teachings is that be in peace, let others live in peace, and spread the message of peace. And that, of course, by winning the hearts and not by dictating or imposing our conditions. Now, to cut short, I would like 
to say a few words with reference to the Holy Quran and teachings of the founder of the of the Ambiya movement in Islam. God Almighty says in the Holy Quran that I read the translation whosoever killed a person unless it be for killing a person or for creating disorder in the land it shall be as if he had killed all mankind explaining this verse the founder of the Ahmadiyya movement says that a person who kills a person unfairly or who kills some someone who had neither rebelled nor became a source of violating peace amongst the people nor created disorder in the land it is as if he has killed the whole of mankind in other words to kill a person without any cause <clears throat> according to god almighty like the murder of the entire human race it is obvious from this verse how big a sin it is to take the life of another person without reason thus the <clears throat> this is the beautiful teaching of islam that the unlawful killing or the shedding of innocent blood of someone is like the killing of the entire human race that is to say the taking of a single life is like the massacre of thousands of innocent lives now everyone can very well imagine what kind of sentence would be passed on someone who is found guilty of the of the taking of thousands of innocent lives so this is the beautiful teaching given to us by god almighty in the holy quran whosoever acts against this acts against the teachings of islam then the holy founder of the ahmadiyya takes us further than this because it was after his true reflection and deliberations and his understanding of islamic teachings that god almighty provided him with the guidance commenting on this verse he adds he who abandons kindness abandons religion the holy quran teaches man qatala nafsan baghayra nafsin wa fasadin that is to say that whosoever kills a person without justifiable cause will be as if he has killed the whole world in the same way he says i say that if someone someone is not kind unto his brother it is like he has been unkind to the whole world now on this verse the founder of the amdia movement has drawn an interesting conclusion that people think that islam is an extremist religion but this is a misunderstanding on their part islam is saying that even if you are unkind in your treatment 
with your fellow human being, you are a cause of destroying the peace and harmony of the world. Forget killing anyone. You should always be kind <coughs> in your dealings with every person in the world and spread the peaceful message of Islam. <coughs> to conclude, now I pray that Allah Almighty enable every Muslim and every person of any religion to try to establish peace in this world by giving the right of each other. Amen. Thank you. You are listening to the Pathway to Peace here on the Voice of Islam Radio. That was His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed. May God strengthen his hand at the 2004 uh, UK National Peace Symposium. And the very first peace symposium, by the way, that took place, uh, it was something that His Holiness initiated. And 2004 was the inaugural year. The The message there, Arif, was, was loud and clear. You know, His Holiness focused on the verse of the Holy Quran, chapter 5, verse 33, which is as relevant today as it as it was back then when we look at some of the what, what's going on in the world today. Uh, the translation of the verse is, Whosoever killed a person, unless it be for killing a person or for creating a disorder in the land, it shall be as if he has killed all of mankind. A powerful verse, Arif, isn't it? So much so that it was repeated I counted three times by His Holiness, right? So first he read the verse, then he explained it, and then he went back to it a couple of times and added additional meaning. Absolutely, I think it's really important. There's, there is, There are provisions within the Islamic faith, within the Quranic teaching, within the set, uh, practice of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, of fighting, engaging in battle. But there are such prerequisites that have to be fulfilled in order to start. There are huge limits to what can be done. And there's also explanation that you should incline towards peace. If there's any sign of the aggression stopping, then stop. Um, you know, So there's very specific restrictions around battle. And at the same time, a warning is almost given as well, that even during times of war, if you someone is killed unjustly, which is the the, the interpretation or the what that verse is kind mm-hmm. of highlighting, those who have done no wrong. Yeah. If you kill someone who's done no wrong, it's as if you've killed all of mankind. I mean, that is like really, really powerful. And like you said, it's it's even more relevant today with what we're seeing in the world. Um, you know, where you have killings and wars, where there are so many innocent civilians that are caught up in this, and it shows the high moral standard that Islam has established for uh, you know taking the life of someone. Yeah, indeed, it is. It, it is truly remarkable the teachings of Islam and then you look at some of the actions the unfortunate actions that we see happening in the world by people who say they are Muslim and yet um, their views for whatever reason have been have been skewed uh, and they seem to have forgotten this verse completely where even killing one person is such a great grievous sin as it is as if you've killed all of humanity yet uh, we see unfortunately, uh, killing of all sorts happening uh, today in the Middle East and, and and across the world, which is not a reflection of Islam. And His Holiness is an advocate of just that message to define and clearly outline that what we're seeing in the world today, or even in 2004, which was relatively peaceful in comparison to what we're seeing today even, but um, His Holiness has been highlighting throughout and will continue to see this pattern 
that His Holiness is dis- differentiating between the actions of what we see people doing versus the actual teachings of the religion of Islam. And as, cal- the, uh, and as caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he takes it upon himself to uh, educate the world on the true teachings of Islam and not judging the religion by the actions of people, but looking at the divine source, which is the Holy Quran, and for a living, breathing example, turning to the example of the Holy Prophet of Islam, Hazrat Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him. Um, anything to add? Arif? Yeah, I want to just be re- let's be really explicit about something as well. So suicide bombing. Yeah, let's talk about that because I think um, we have to take our mind back to 20 years ago, which is hard to do. <clears throat> for that speech was around 2004. That was a couple of years post 9/11. Um, and just a year later, there was a suicide uh, bombing attack in London. So this was just in that window between those events. I think that His Holiness was specifically targeting those um, groups, terrorist groups that claim to follow some kind of uh, Islamic philosophy and, and claim to find, try and find some justification within Islamic teaching to justify suicide bombing. And let's be clear on it, there's no justification at all. It completely violates the, the teachings of Islam. And that you know verse in particular highlights the, the, the gravity of someone taking innocent lives, you know, uh, indiscriminately bombing or, you know, blowing up buses has happened in certain countries, you know, across the world. And, you know, these terrorist groups often um, can sometimes claim to be following some sort of Islamic teaching, but suicide bombing is, is completely against the teaching of Islam. Yeah, absolutely. You are listening to the Pathway to Peace show here on The Voice of Islam. Be sure to follow at Voice of Islam on Voice of Islam UK, sorry, the Twitter handle or X handle, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Use the hashtag VOIPeace to let us know your thoughts, comments, and feedback. Let's move on now to 2005. Now, if if we had a three-hour show, I would love to play clips from all of the peace symposia because obviously there's such a wealth of knowledge and wisdom in each and every one of these addresses. And or if you and I were just talking before we went live on air about um potentially doing an individual show on each one. There's that much information in each and every one of these uh, keynote addresses by His Holiness over the last 18 years that this Peace Symposium has taken place, with 2024 being the 18th annual Peace Symposium coming up on um, the 9th of March, 2024, for anyone that is interested. Uh, But 2005, the title that was given to the talk was promoting peace and uh, taken a small excerpt which I'll read now Uh, His Holiness said remember also not to be cruel to a nation merely because an ally or a friendly government of yours is against the people who neither cause you any harm nor cause any harm to any ally of yours this really struck me with the global situation that we see in the present day and what we see happening between the blocks that have formed and who's supporting who. But to start things off with this address in particular, Arif, your initial thoughts on that quote specifically. Yeah, so poignant, so relevant today, right? It's it's actually human nature in terms of, uh, you know, almost herd mentality and the way teams and groups and cliques are formed that, you know, if someone attacks your buddy, you're going to try and stick up for them, you know, and the this idea of going, you know, these these buddies or these forma- uh, groups that are formed in everyday society happen all around us at a macro level and country level. We talk about blocks forming, 
you know, and they're normally based on alignment of economic um, interest, different interests that align, and you have these strange partnerships, right? Mm. And we've had them for so many years. There's so many examples of this. You know, your your enemy's enemy is, you know, is that is that my your enemy's enemy is my friend. No, sorry, your friend's enemy is my enemy. This this kind of view, right? When um, there's been and and strangely, sometimes it's flipped back and forth. So to give you one example, there was a time when the U.S. government supported. Uh, the Taliban in Afghanistan, right? They took mm. one side of that, and then after a period of time, that the the allegiances switched around. And at the time, it was because there was a, you know, the reason the Americans took that side was because Russia had the other side. So you get these kind of proxy battles, proxy wars, and you get these blocks that form. And this happens at the macro country level. It happens at you know societal level. It happens with companies as well in business as well. The way these groups are formed, and based on that, their their interests then get warped and the problem with this is this goes away from absolute justice you know real honesty and and objectivity and applying a consistent standard what happened what's just been called out here this is how you get double standards basically Mm. one rule for one and a different rule for someone else yeah it's i mean there's so much in this just this literally a sentence and a half you know and it's just striking to me when we look at what's going on around us today um and you mentioned you mentioned how the allegiances with Afghanistan had changed over time. I mean, Russia comes to mind. You yeah. look at Russia during World War II; they were an ally of the West against Germany, and they were helping uh, helping the West from from the Eastern Front. And then, of course, the U.S., France, and Great Britain were on on the Western Front, surrounding Germany to eventually win uh, World War II. Uh, but now you look at Russia. And uh, what what they're doing in Ukraine, they've they've actually they're they're an ally of the West that's now become an enemy. And ever since World War Two, it seems like Russia has been painted as kind of the the enemy. But it goes to show that how relevant what His Holiness was saying in two thousand five is um, at the time. I don't quite remember what was happening in two thousand five, but you know. So many years ago, with us being now in 2024, and this being almost 20 years ago today, uh, that this exact quote uh, that we've extracted from from His Holiness's talk is as relevant today. When you look at what's going on in Palestine and Israel, in Gaza, in, uh, injustices happening there, uh, and unfortunately, or if innocent people end up suffering the consequences because of what their governments are doing, but it's really about what 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 this says to me this this quotation and i'll read it again uh remember also not to be cruel to a nation merely because an ally or a friendly government of yours is against the people who neither cause you any harm nor caused any harm to any ally of yours and it's because of these unquote and it's because of these strategic alliances that we're seeing now that countries like the USA are having such having such a hard time condemning what's going on by the Israeli government because on one side they're a friend but they're doing they they may be committing some wrong um, and there's like you said a double standard. Yeah, or yeah, exactly. Or nations paying lip service and saying we condemn what's happening, but then not doing anything to stop the actions that are taking yeah. place. So it's very, very clear which governments in the world. Let's take the Israel example. It's very clear which governments are pro-Israel and which are not. 
And, mm. and that's almost like it's not policy, but it's something, interestingly, it seems to span political boundaries, but it's something that there's a long history. So the US and the UK have long supported um, Israel. And, and that means that they've kind of turned a blind eye or they've not given the same, you know, um, they've not, let's use your word, double standards, but they've not used the same standards and not held them to the same level of accountability uh, as, as other nations have been held. It's interesting how His Holiness says, uh, government of yours is against the people who neither cause you any harm nor caused any harm to any ally of yours. So there's a differentiation or a distinction there between the government and the people, uh, which I find really fascinating. Um, let's move on then to uh, 2006. Uh, and the backdrop to this is interesting. So 2006, uh, the conference took place a few months after uh, if we can rewind all the way back that far, the, if you remember, RF, the Danish newspaper published some cartoons uh, around the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him, in an attempt to ish- show Islam, God forbid, uh, being brought by an extremist. And in this speech, 2006 uh, UK National Peace Symposium, His Holiness tackled this head on. And... Uh, and, and it's very interesting. Or if you want to read that quote. Sure, yeah. Do you want me to do the whole thing or the, the section highlighted? Let's, let's do the whole thing. Okay. All right. So this is a slightly longer quote. So open quote. It is alleged that it is, it is alleged that and Muslims believe that the solution to all of their problems lies in adopting a cruel and barbaric attitude. According to them, there is no concept of tolerance, reconciliation or love and the affection and affection in Islam. Non-Muslims draw this conclusion based on the incorrect behavior and improper actions of so-called jihadi organizations, that is to say, those who are trigger-happy and call their act a holy war, and the acts of their suicide bombers. Instead of solving issues through love and understanding, they display obstinacy, obstinacy and intolerance. Then, some scholars of today, unfortunately, support such jihadi organizations, even though their actions are totally opposed to the teaching of Islam. But I wish to say just one thing that may perhaps be construed as if I'm supporting such jihadi organizations. The ultimate decisive authority assumed by the superpowers in respect of the poor and the underdeveloped nations and the double standards in the manner in which the superpowers deal with these nations is the cause of this violent natural reaction by these nations. Admittedly, this is not an Islamic method and it is totally against the teaching of Islam. However, in this day and age, the trend not to conform to the teachings of one faith is as prevalent amongst followers of other religions as it is amongst the Muslims, whose majority is a lip service Muslim, even though their deeds are not Islamic." End quote. Yeah, it's a very powerful quote there. And the, the part highlighted, or if that you alluded to, is, is you know, the what His Holiness says that ultimately a decisive authority assumed by the superpowers in respect of the poor and under, underdeveloped nations and the double standard in the manner in which the superpowers deals with these nations is the cause of of this violent natural reaction by these nations. So His Holiness is alluding to looking at the root cause, isn't it, Arif, of why when someone is provoked, uh, there's a, I mean, it's human nature to react is what I'm trying to say. And what His Holiness is pointing out here is when you, when you poke and prod some, someone or some, some nation, and then they retaliate to then 
put a microscope on the retaliation part um, is unjust and a double standard. Yeah, absolutely. And remember the time when this this was taking place, right? It was almost as if these cartoons were were seen as some kind of um, you know beacon of light for freedom of speech. Put it that way. It yeah. was almost like yeah, you know, there were people posting things on their own social media in support of the um, of these magazines or other uh, groups that were publishing. You know, caricatures and and things purely to stoke up Muslim hatred. There was no re- there was no other reason for doing these things. So and then to say, oh look at them, they you know they overreact and their true nature is coming out. So you're right. There was a very specific reason around around this. And you know, sadly, the Muslims, if you like, took the bait. These organisations and groups that did react, you know, went down, did exactly what people were planning for you know to do, provoke them into. Sadly, uh, but I think I love how His Holiness says at the same time, like you said, he didn't dodge the main issue as well so first he said islam has nothing to do with this reaction the reaction is not in teaching with the teaching of islam but then he emphasized but let's be honest like what was the real cause for this hmm. it didn't just happen you know spontaneously uh, and i think the same you know you can apply the same uh, approach to you know events in the holy land right now it's you know the the attacks that took place in october we condemn them everyone condemns them they go against the teachings of islam that is something that is very clear they the you know the attacks you know, terrorism is is not permitted, and then so that's that is a very clear statement. And the next thing to say then is actually this situation didn't begin in October 2023. This has been running for so many decades. Well, let's try and wind back and understand where did this sentiment start from in the first place. Um, and you know, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about this. But one of the themes of His Holiness has talked about so many times is absolute justice yeah. and the chain of events. And you know, to really simplify, I, rem- I remember during the Black Lives Matter protest, right, the phrase of "no justice, no peace." That's what it essentially is talking about. It's like in- injustice is what leads to a lot of the problems with peace in the world. Yeah, and His Holiness is uh, the theme almost. Um, he's become known as a as a man of peace. I mean, I think it was Nancy Pelosi who, in the in, in His Holiness's address in Capitol Hill, or commenting uh, at that same event, Nancy Pelosi actually referred to His Holiness as a man of peace. Um, so he's he's become. Uh, synonymous with with that name or that title, being a man of peace. But every time he talks about peace, it's always linked to establishing justice first. And it's through justice that that peace is established. Uh, Time continues to run on and we continue to run on uh, with the 18 years of uh, peace symposia history. We're only at 2007. Uh, So we're going to have to move a little bit quicker for the second half of this program. But the title for the 2007 uh, Peace Conference address was Restoring World Peace. And a small extract here from the speech of His Holiness reads as follows, quote, The impression that that world peace was destroyed due to the concept of God and religion is absolutely wrong. His Holiness goes on to say, Indeed, if today the world inclines towards God, then the nations will try to establish peace in the world by rising above their personal and political interests, unquote. So that was from the UK National Peace Symposium keynote addressed by His Holiness, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in 2007. Uh, RF, your thoughts on that? It reminds me when he spoke in uh, communities in Germany and in the UK at the opening of mosques. You might think that 
uh, a Muslim leader, when observing that the that particular nation is moving further away from Christianity, might not really highlight that as an issue, if you like. Um, but actually, he spoke about that previously as well. He's saying that the society moving away from God, whether that whatever religion they're following, is something we should all be concerned about, and it has issues and it has ramifications. So I think the um, you know it's not just in terms of Islam as well, but other religions as well. If if everyone wants to follow the true teachings of their faith then the whole world would be a better place. Yeah, and he's actually calling out here, Arif, it looks like. He says, was it, the impression that the world that world peace was destroyed due to the concept of God and religion is absolutely wrong. So he's actually highlighting that, you know, a lot of people blame God yeah. for, for everything, right? Why is there suffering in the world? That's yeah. the, the, the million pound question as to, you know, why the atheist that was trying to prove that there is no God. But people oftentimes... Um, say that it's because of religion or that religion co- caused all of the calamities in the world or the world wars and all of this. But actually, in fact, world wars are a good example because neither of the world wars are were caused by religion, were no, they? Political. They're all political. And if you look at the underlying, um, if you look at the underlying cause of the wars, there are, there are always political issues or challenges that are at the heart of it, usually dealing to do with injustice, one people being wronged by another people, one group being wronged by another group, or one group or section of society having its its you know laws or having its rights trampled upon. That's usually what the, the, the cause is. Mm. Yeah, religion, there's no religion in the world uh, that advocates for uh, a war or, or fighting or uh, a violent type of jihad. No religion in the world preaches that. Each and every war that has been fought has been for political interests um, and gains. And His Holiness is adamant about making that point in each and every one of his uh, peace conference talks as well. Moving right along, 2008, respecting religious freedom or feelings rather. Uh, his Holiness in, in this address quoted a verse of the Holy Quran uh, stating, You are the best people raised for the good of mankind. You enjoin what is good and forbid evil. And then a little later on, a quote from that address, His Holiness said, This is a major claim made by the Holy Quran that obviously means, he's referring to the verse, chapter 3, verse 111 that I just read, um, which obviously means that the deeds done by you should be such as benefit the people. Do not simply be beneficial to yourself. The Holy Quran does not say that you are raised for the good of Muslims, but says for the good of mankind. The beliefs of the one who believes in God will be real only when he enjoins good, spreads good, and forbids evil. Your thoughts on this one? I feel like um, over the years, His Holiness is kind of like raising the bar. So it feels like initially he was responding to allegations against Islam. Is Islam a religion of terror? What about jihad? You know, we've just opened a new mosque in a new area. Maybe this is the first time some Muslims, some, sorry, some non-Muslims are coming to a mosque. Let's ease them into this topic. Let's try and think about what are the misconceptions in their mind and address those. Same with the cartoons as well. Then over the years, now he's elevating things, saying Muslims are not just told to be peaceful and help other Muslims. Actually, Muslims are told to be you know, that they've been raised for the good of mankind, the best of people raised for the good of mankind. So it's elevating the standard and it's, you know, showing them that in addition to, you know, just uh, not being cause, uh, people who cause havoc and, and, and war, there's actually a positive side of a positive effect that Muslims have to have 
are instructed to have uh, based on the teaching of the Holy Quran and Islam around being you know, champions of peace throughout the whole world. And he spoke about a very specific verse here that you know they are the best of people raised for the good of mankind. So it's a very high standard here. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, Arif? Because as good of mankind, you, you contrast that with what uh, some may believe the religion of Islam being a violent religion. But then why would the Holy Quran say you're raised for the good of mankind? And His Holiness in this quote that was read um, specifically called out that we're, we're not raised, Muslims are not raised for the good of themselves. Going back to a quote earlier in one of his earlier peace, peace talks where he talked about the um, not just looking at your own benefit, but looking at the benefit of others. Um, so it's really interesting that this verse is all encompassing and really kind of demolishes at the root level the idea that Islam would be a violent or a, a religion that, that, that teaches terrorism. In fact, it's the total opposite because God has instructed all Muslims that you have been raised for the good of mankind, not just the good of yourself, but to looking out for the world. And it reminds me, Arif, of, of a story that you often tell around how we, or at the time of the Prophet, he was commanded to protect not just the mosques, but all places of worship. Yeah, and it's specifically mentioned in the Quran as well. The verse in the Holy Quran that allows um, fighting to take place goes on to explain that if this didn't happen, then the mosques, cloisters, and synagogues um, you know, would have all been raised to the ground. So this is, uh, you know, the rights of, you know, Muslims have an obligation. We often talk about, uh, Sufyan, on the show, the rights to God and the rights to mankind. Muslims have a certain right to, to God in terms of what you are obliged to do based on the expectations based on Islamic Sharia in terms of praying to God and being f always faithful to him. And at the same time, even in your own society, uh, there are so many instructions about what Muslims must do to feed the sick, help the needy, um, you know, look after orphans specifically is highlighted a lot. Rights to your neighbor, the amount of uh, you know, rights given to your neighbor uh, are huge in Islam. So this is a constant emphasis on not just not being disruptive in society, but actually creating a really positive society by going beyond your immediate walls and family and trying to help everyone that you can. Yeah, absolutely. You spoke there of rights, and uh, lo and behold, 2009 was on the very topic of discharging equal rights. His Holiness said, quote, A horrific example of bloodshed known to us is in this so-called civilized age occurred only a few decades before. According to one estimate, 60 to 70 million people died during the Second World War, of whom approximately 40 million were civilians. Alas, if only people acted with patience and did not have their hands covered in blood. But mankind proved itself to be so impatient that after some time it forgot its cruel acts of bloodshed that had stained humanity. Mankind should have learnt its lessons, but regrettably the people of today, and this is in 2009, mind you, his Holiness says, the people of today are failing to learn from the mistakes of the past. Even those who call themselves Muslims are shedding blood, as are those working on the pretext of establishing peace. In one way or another, they are shedding blood. So His Holiness takes us back to the tragedies of World War II and how much lives how many lives were lost, innocent lives, 
Uh, he quoted 40 million lives being lost in uh, World War II of civilians and then goes on to say how mankind has unfortunately not learned its lessons. And this was in, again, RF 2009. Um, and then we look at today and we see the world, as, as we mentioned the top of the show as well, the world is on the brink of, of another global catastrophe, potentially another world war. And it's not just His Holiness saying this anymore. It's actually a, a lot of the Western journalists and the, the Western media even now is picking up on you had kind of the state that the world is in, particularly in the Middle East uh, and what's going on there um, on the Red Sea uh, with uh, what's going on now in Iraq with the uh, the a pressure being applied to the American military to leave that part of of the world, um, and Iran, and and then you have Saudi, and you have Jordan, and then you have Israel, and uh, all because of what's happening right now in in Gaza. I mean, this this quote you could apply to today, just as you could in two thousand nine. And Ukraine, let's not Ukraine, forget that. There's a civil Russia, war in, yeah. in Yemen that has been running for over nearly a decade now as well. There's so there's a huge, like you're absolutely right, huge amount of uh, unrest in the world. It was absolutely relevant when mentioned in 2009, and it feels even more do relevant. You, do you recall what was going on in 2009? Was it Syria? I'm tempted to say it was Syria and ISIS, but I don't I don't remember. It seems like such a long time ago, doesn't yeah, it's it? It's hard, I think, yeah, for the, with the uh, pandemic, our concept of like years and things has been hard to kind of rewind. But yeah, I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, ISIS and and Daesh, they were called, they started to come into effect in in that de- the last decade there. And it was things that His Holiness did pick up, uh, pick up on and speak about and address directly uh, in subsequent uh, peace symposia as well. Yeah, uh, so the peace symposium uh, continued over, over the last decade. And then we get up to uh, 2023, last year. And His Holiness again uh, speaking at the National Peace Symposium Last year, let's take a listen to a brief clip uh, in the words of His Holiness uh, to some of the address of 2023. The vast majority of the world has turned away from God Almighty and consider materialistic gains and worldly pursuits to be their ultimate objective. It was due to such vain and covetous pursuit that mankind was dragged into two calamitous and harrowing world wars during the 20th century, rather than learn from the horrors of the past, the world is once again engulfed by warfare and conflict. At this point, I should clarify that I do not believe that the blame lies exclusively with Muslims or non-Muslims. Nor do I say that cruelties or injustice are the sole preserve of any one group or nation. Any Muslims or so-called Islamic groups who inflict cruelties or conduct barbaric acts violate their religious teachings and are fully culpable and to be condemned in the strongest terms. According to Islam's teachings, permission for war is only granted under extreme circumstances as a defensive measure, where a concerted effort is made 
to destroy the institution of religion and freedom of belief through warfare. Islam has never and never will permit aggressive warfare for the sake of territorial gains or fulfilling the geopolitical ambitions. Furthermore, the Holy Quran has instructed that every possible opportunity to achieve peace must be pursued, no matter how remote the chance of success are. In chapter 49, verse 10, Allah the Almighty states that when two nations are at war, third parties should seek to reconcile them and draw them to a peaceful settlement. If the aggressor continues to wage war, it is up to other nations to join forces and use proportionate and legitimate force to stop the oppressor. However, once their cruelties cease, unjust retribution or revenge must not be exacted. <clears throat> Regarding this principle, chapter 5, verse 9 of the Holy Quran categorically states that you must not let the enmity of any nation or party prevent you from upholding the true standards of justice and equity. You are listening to the Pathway to Peace show here on the Voice of Islam radio. Be sure to follow at Voice of Islam on X, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Use the hashtag VOIPeace to send us your thoughts, comments, and feedback. You are listening there to a clip from the 2023 National UK Peace Symposium keynote address by His Holiness the Fifth Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed. May God strengthen his hand uh, at the 17th Peace Symposium. Uh, an interesting uh, clip there, are uh, His Holiness is very much aware of the world situation and what is going on in the world. And I feel like each and every year that we've discussed and the ones that we haven't been able to get to are always relevant to what's going on at the time. And last year is not too hard to remember. We had a flare between uh, Russia and Ukraine at the time that the peace symposium took place. And then shortly thereafter, we've seen this conflict now stir up in in uh, the Middle East with Israel and, and Palestine. Uh, and His Holiness, I mean, very clearly referencing verses of the Holy Quran to really, again, educate the world on the true teachings of Islam uh, and really clearly defining, you know, what is Islamic and what is not, isn't it? Absolutely. And that was uh, chapter 49, verse 10, which I'll just read it again to highlight this. So it states, and I quote, and if two parties of believers fight against each other, make peace between them. Then, then, if after that one of them transgresses against the other, fight the party that transgresses until it returns to the command of Allah. Then, if it makes, then if it returns, make peace between them with equity and act justly. Verily, Allah loves the just. Unquote. So this really is the Islamic. It's laying down the Islamic foundation for what does Islam teach about, you know, fighting and wars. Uh, Islam isn't pacifist in that sense, a pacifist faith, it clearly says that these are the rules required to you know, keep peace in the world. And if we look at it, I mean, this is what governments or, or organizations like the United Nations have kind of tried to enforce as well, which is if there is transgression, if one country is going beyond what it should be doing, or maybe is invading another country or is acting in an unjust way, you know, the others are asked to get together 
and put that you know put that right fight yeah. that person until they stop doing it effectively yeah and this is exactly what his holiness has been talking about and describing in his his uh, recent friday sermons if we look at even more current day messaging and i'm really curious as to see what the address of his holiness yeah. in in a few weeks will be in march of 2024 with the 18th national peace symposium coming up i mean his holiness has been talking about this idea mentioned in this verse around all Muslim countries getting together and taking a stand. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I, I remember you asking me as well. And I, and I gave you the answer and you saying, ah, oh, it sounds very theoretical. No, this is very explicit. If there is one country that is, you know, uh, attacking the rights of another country, then it's from an Islamic point of view, the others ha- are bound by, are duty bound by in the name of upholding justice to get together and fight against that group. That's what t- happened in the other wars as well. If you look at the Second World War, it was about people trying to, uh, you know, uh, um, stop the rise and spread of Nazi Germany, right? So it was, if you see something that is not right, others have an obligation to try and put that right. But then they're urged straight away that once, if the, the party that was transgressing then stops, then inclined towards peace. So I think... If there is a transgression, having some joint effort, everyone clubbing together, aligning in one voice and, and pushing that aggressor back. And then when that aggressor stops, then inclining towards peace. That's the blueprint. And we're so far away from that in, in you know, in Palestine as an example of the Holy Land. Multiple parts of that are not taking place. And His Holiness has talked about how even in that example, the Muslims, the other Islamic states in that same area, they're so divided themselves. Yeah. Just take even Saudi Arabia and Iran, for example. There's so much division and there's so much self-interest there that it's like even that first step of just being able to get together and say, this is wrong and we're going to do something about it. That Not even that's happening. I mean, then you see the actions of Yemen and they're the one country that's you know, I don't know if to call it, it's not an official stance of the government, but the rebels are trying to do <laughs> what they can. But they're, again, fighting alone. And His Holiness has been saying that, look, you know, everybody's doing lip service or there's a few actions here and there and they're very sporadic and very random, but there's no kind of joint effort, exactly. no coalition. I mean, even on the other side, let's flip it for a second, Arif. Let's look at the Israel side and say, is there a coalition there? Do they have, like, are they... Are they doing the Quran? Are they implementing the Quranic teaching or getting a, a coalition, for lack of a better term, together? The thing is, right, I think one thing to understand here is, um, and this is not me dodging your question, or maybe it is, this verse, this idea of everyone getting together and fighting against that, the, the party that's transgressing, that's as much as a deterrent as anything else. Mm. So if this is, it's not about we want increased hostility and, and that. The very next sentence says, if they incline towards peace, then be peace. So this, I see this as a deterrent, as like, you know, everyone, if everyone agrees and goes, right, that what you're doing is wrong and we're going to stop you, then the person transgressing will back down. But if what you're doing is going unchecked and if people are just saying, ah, you really shouldn't do that, but at the same time not doing anything, yeah. that does em- embolden the person who's transgressing. Yeah, it's such a balanced teaching, isn't it? It's not only balanced, but it's it's so practical as well. That's mm. the thing for me as well. Again, like I said, some people may feel some religions or can be sort of pacifist or don't take a stance. But Islamic teaching, if you think about it, it lays down the code of life from how we wake up in the morning or even say what 
to say before we eat our food, right the way up to teaching that can be applied on an international scale, and that is the blueprint for peace across an entire world made up of so many different nations with so many different religions. That Islam has the blueprint for that. The early Islamic history was that kind of society where there was a complete range of religious beliefs, but everyone was living in in peace. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we've over the last hour or so, we've taken a look at some of the previous. Peace Symposium, keynote addresses by His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. I want to spend a few minutes, Arif, now talking about the future. Because the yeah. title of the show was Peace Symposia, Past, Present, and Future. So we talked about the past, we've talked about the present. I, I don't know if we can even anticipate what His Holiness is going, going to be talking about. But what have been some of the common threads out of all of what we've discussed today that you you see, Arif, and and if you could anticipate or venture to guess what His Holiness will kind of be speaking about, I'm guessing it'll be relatively on the same theme. So the history is a good indicator of the future, isn't it? I feel like his what's happening today has been things he's been warning about for so many years and they've gone unlistened to. So when he spoke about, I remember being in this very studio one year when we were doing a live show in response as His Holiness was speaking and he talked about, imagine the life of someone who's growing up in a, in you know a country that has had been attacked by another power externally right you've got your parents are dead you know you're there's there's very little education or living standards are low anyway you have your people are telling you people start there's a vacuum there to start with then extremist voices start coming into that uh, youngsters ears about you know the people who killed your father or the people who killed your mother they are this group over here we are going to do something about them let's get together and and you know um, let's fight against them let's uprise etc and he laid that out as saying look this is the risk of what's happening these your actions have consequences and i think that'll be a key theme for him this year as well it's like how have we got to where we are there's been multiple events that have happened there's been an application of you know different standards of uh, double standards that have been applied. I mean, I welcome just before the show, we heard that, uh, you know, Keir Starmer, the, the Labour leader in the UK is at least, is now talking about um, there needs to be a long lasting, you know, ceasefire. But why, So, which is which is great, but it feels like in, in the UK in particular, there's been a long time for us to get to the stage where people are all calling for a ceasefire. And even now, I don't, I'm not sure everyone is. So these things that have happened, these standards that have, uh, you know, double standards that are playing out in front of us are, are really stark. And I feel like people are seeing them right now. And, you know, I'm really, every year I listen out to what His Holiness has to say. But this year, I feel like more than any year I can imagine, I, I can't wait to listen to it because I know he will not hold back. I know he will he will address all of the poignant Issues and when he speaks now, he's not just talking to the people in his room. In the room, his words are for the world leaders as much as they are for us. Yeah, and a lot of the world leaders, and that is something interesting to note. Arif, I, I know the Amir or the national president of the UK, oftentimes uh, shares uh, the history, uh, and in reference to uh, I think it's the Jalsa Solana, where the, uh, many many years ago in the eighties they got one mayor and they were celebrating uh, as a community. We were celebrating that we got a mayor to come. And now today, not only at Jalsa, but at these peace symposiums, there are some really big, there's a big uh, contingency from around the world, uh, major players in, in world politics. And His Holiness always and continuously urges them to use their power, their influence to make change in the world. And I expect much of the same 
in that regard from His Holiness in His up-and-coming uh, Peace Symposium talk. And and as you mentioned, you've you've kind of hit the nail on the head. Uh, His Holiness never holds back. He says it like it is. It reminds me of uh, another talk that he gave at an opening in, in Germany of a mosque where, you know, there was a, a lady that commented, uh, one of the dignitaries that was there about not, there not being many women in front of her at at the at the event, and His Holiness immediately during his speech said, "Actually, in in essence, he said you're wrong. <laughs> he didn't use that word. You're wrong, but he said that yes, yeah, there there are a few women here, but there's a whole other side that you may haven't seen. But in fact, our women are there. And then I I believe it was in that same address that he talked about the education of women and how our uh, communities women are actually in some cases more educated than men uh, so his holiness definitely does not hold back and says it like it is uh, part of the purpose of of this episode of the pathway to peace show is to kind of get you geared up for the 18th annual national peace symposium uh, so we hope you've enjoyed reliving some of the uh, keynote addresses and speeches of His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmed, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community at the annual UK Peace Symposium that has been taking place since 2004 when the first one took place. We explored over the last hour some of the common themes throughout uh, reflecting together and I'm optimistic that you were able to glean some overlooked wisdom from past that maybe we can all use in our own spheres of influence to just maybe save us from another world war. Something we can definitely all do regardless and something that His Holiness has been saying since the very beginning of His Caliphate is pray, pray, and pray the all-powerful God to the all-powerful God and our prayers, he always says, are the best weapon. Uh, when we feel helpless and we can't do anything else, one thing that we can all do is uh, pray for the world situation. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Pathway to Peace show. Uh, until next time, for Arif Khan, this is Sufyan Farooqing saying, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May the peace and blessings of God be upon you. <laughs>